Hey, Brian. Hey, Elliot. What's the talk of the table? We interrupt your usual talk of the table broadcast to bring you this special report. Launching today in the TTRPG space is a brand new news outlet helmed by giants in the gaming journalism community. Lynn Codega, Rowan Zioli, and Chase Carter. And two of those three rascals are joining us today to talk all about this latest venture. Rowan, Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us, Brian. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> oh, my God. That was really incredible. Can you do that every time I walk into a room? <laughs> Absolutely. It's a combination of my Walter Cronkite and my transatlantic. Ooh, we love Perfect. it. Perfect. Very good. Welcome back to the show, both of you. Funny enough, back to the show isn't accurate for the listener because neither of your interviews uh, will have been out by the time this uh, joint interview comes out. So welcome back to the studio. But... Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the sh- welcome to the show for the first time. <laughs> welcome back to our hearts. Aww. Time is a concept. Uh, you'll find them. <laughs> yeah, t- time's a flat circle. Because we're going to be talking about you know ethics and journalism a lot today. Uh, quick disclosure up at the top that you have both covered our work in the past. Covered seasons of My First Dungeon for Fundamentals and Polygon. Lynn has covered both work on My First Dungeon and some of my game's work on the gaming shelf for io9. So just getting that out of the way so people know that we have a previously existing relationship. And I performed on My My First Dungeon for two whole The wonderful, lovable Mr. Boggs. Yeah, Mr. Boggs. I love Mr. Boggs. Love Mr. Boggs. Also, since we're disclosing, disclosing... Uh, I did not receive any payment for those two appearances, and I instead asked that my token gratuity be given to a charity, I believe Trans Lifeline? I think it was Trans Lifeline, yeah. Yes. So there is no uh, monetary relationship between me and Many Sided Dungeon. Many Sided Media? Many Sided Media. And my first dungeon. <laughs> but yeah, Brian and Elliot actually pay me two thousand dollars every time I write about them. <laughs> and it is worth it. <laughs> Slash sarcasm. Oh, but to jump in to talk about why we're here, uh, both of you have started a new news outlet, a new venture called Rascal. Just to start us off, what is Rascal? What are its goals, and why is it needed? Sure. So I'll go first. Rascal is a alternative, independent, roguelike news site that will be covering tabletop role-playing game news and we'll be doing reviews, we'll be doing culture essays, we'll be doing criticism, we'll be interviewing a bunch of people. We have a ton of interviews like already up and like in the works and we will just be this enthusiast media outlet that sort of spans the gamut of what tabletop role-playing games look like from an insider's industry perspective. And I think that Brian threw a question in there, why do we need this? And I think that why do we need this is going to be the crux of this whole interview that we break up into many little different questions. But first, I want to gush about your branding a little (laughs) bit, because I think that it is some really incredible specific branding with a really strong voice and while branding is cool and gets people in the door it also tells people who you are in a way Mm -hmm. and so I kind of just want to talk to you guys about what are the branding touchstones you leaned on and how do they speak to what you're trying to do with Rascal? So we were lucky enough to work with Johan Noor to design our logo and we basically gave him kind of the run of run of everything and we said we want something that says legacy media with a punk edge that also 
harkens back to old school role-playing game zines. Like wizardry was really big on our mood board. And we were just like, we want something that people can put on a sticker and slap on a wall. Yeah, that like kind of edgy punk vibe was definitely really essential to what we were trying to do. We actually had a round of edits from Johan uh, for his initial designs. We had one round of edits that was like, hey, you gave us a draft that like looked more handcrafted and more like DIY. And the version you gave us of this logo is a little bit too clean. Can we actually have the old version? It does have that very, that very, yeah, DIY, like hand scanned zine vibe to it, which I love. It's just an aesthetic I love. Yeah, and it really speaks to how the industry worked back in the 70s and 80s, how it works now, how it's literally always worked as people typing things up and scanning it and passing it off to their friends. And we are excited to try and carry on that legacy and be like the next the next step of it. Yeah, just to speak to that for a second, I literally did an interview with an Argentinian tabletop journalist that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. And he was talking about how it works in the global south where communities specifically in Argentina that are very difficult to access core rulebooks because of how expensive they are, how they were passed around from people at universities who one person was able to buy the core rulebook, then copied it in the library, and then it would be like copies of copies of copies of copies that would make their way around and get distributed because that's how people could access games. And that feels really core, that kind of community collaboration element also. There's something fun to that where it's it's not just like saying... It's not just like seeing this kind of DIY vibe and saying like, ooh, I like that style. But it's also like that speaks very directly to what you're trying to do. It is like community-driven journalism that is going to be passed down and passed down and passed down and scanned and scanned and scanned and hopefully be distributed to the entire community. That's exactly it. And what it does is it it primes you for the voice that you are going to find within the writings on this website. It's like as soon as you see the branding and then read the abouts us and read the code of ethics and read the FAQs or facts as they were said to me before recording. Um, it's a fact. I know. I've just never heard it before. I'm just going to give you a little <laughs> trouble for it. Um, but no, all this to say that there is a really strong voice here that is part and parcel with this brand that you've created of this punk aesthetic. And there's a quote in particular that I think speaks to what this voice sounds like for anybody who's curious what I mean. It says, a group of ragtag truth tellers, a bunch of gutter punk journos, a band of lost writers who only know how to do one thing, we're the rascals. Can you talk to me about the voice that you that you targeted for all of the copy all over this site? The copy is Lynn's masterwork. Every time <laughs> I try to type something up, Lynn's like, yeah, no, this is a great idea, but also, and it's just chef's kiss every time. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of it is just the fact that, like, we want to be able to publish work that is voicey. That's like part of our mission is like publish voicey journalism sustainably because so many sites don't let you do that. And so many people are like, well, journalists should be objective and unbiased and not have a voice. And we're just like, that's not how journalism works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> so we really wanted to establish like from, from jump that we are taking this work very seriously, but we are also like poking fun at ourselves and maybe not taking ourselves as seriously as we are taking what we're producing, what we're writing. Because, you know, we want to be able to have fun at work. We think that's kind of important, but we're also not losing sight of the fact that 
what we're doing is work and it's a trade and like you have to practice and get good at it and like craft things. So yeah, we want people to read the site and not be bored when they have to like read the like kind of half lame about us page. <laughs> so I think one of the, the the places that was most fun to read for us when we were preparing for this interview where this voice carries through in a big way is your code of ethics, which you've laid out very clearly for, for everybody to read. And so we've pulled a few bits from this code of ethics that we want to sort of drill in on. One of these is you have this line where you say journalism plays an essential role in the sustainability of the industry by uplifting good medium pushing work, creating an ecosystem of respectful critique and holding bad actors in the industry accountable. Our responsibility is always to the people, not to corporations. I would love it if you guys could talk a bit about how you see that responsibility to the people versus maybe in the past where you've had to see responsibility to corporations. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one on because the code of ethics was my baby a little bit. I used the template of the Colorado Sun's code of ethics, their nonprofit journalism outlet that's based out of Colorado. They do a lot of local journalism and they have the most thorough code of ethics I've ever seen anyone write ever. But theirs is very community focused. Like they are responsible to the people of Colorado, just like we are responsible to the people of the tabletop ecosystem. In other work, a problem that has popped up in journalism is we were actually talking about this before. Lynn and I were talking about this before, this kind of access journalism and how you are reporting on things that corporations are doing, like the big dragon in the room. And if you report on them critically, you might no longer get access to them. There are a lot of other big companies that do that as well. And so a lot of other reporting has just become enthusiast reporting in solely the terms of like, oh, I love this thing so much, I'm just going to squee about it. I'm going to talk about how much I love it uncritically. The responsibility to the people is to realize when those things that we love are being made by people who are exploiting other people. That's like, I think, especially within the context of the criticism that I do, I criticize larger productions that have a lot more money and are backed by mega corporations in a different light than I criticize indie productions that are made by people who are doing this in their spare time or because they love doing it. The standards there are a little bit different, and I will always try to uplift the work of the individual while contextualizing and criticizing the work of the corporation. People mostly know me because I did a lot of journalism on D&D last year surrounding the OGL. And I definitely suffered like uh, professionally because I was denied access because of that. Was not given the level of access that I should have been. Um, and not given the level of access that colleagues at my outlet were given it was wild woof. yeah 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 <laughs> Fucking woof. but yeah the commitment to the readers is involves a lot of aspects of rascal in general not just how we write and what we write about but also who we cover how we cover it who we platform what we prioritize um one of the things that we are really aware of is that like we are an all white writer's room and that is simply not reflective of the makeup of the people who are active in the tabletop role-playing game space so in order to combat that or to 
work within the, our boundaries. We are trying to do our best to platform people of color and people who are not white. So it's just sort of knowing that like our readership is not white. Our stories can't be white. Our readership is not all the people who like founded D&D in the 70s. It's like Gen Z, it's Gen Alpha. Like we need to speak to them too. So a lot of our pitch meetings, which happen every Monday at 10 a.m. on the dot, unless I'm late. Unless I'm are late. A, <laughs> are a lot about, okay, like what is the balance here? What are we striking? Where's our serious like journalism? Where's our levity? Where's our press releases? Like what we, we sort of like consistently, constantly judge our work against reader expectations and against what readers might want to read or enjoy and obviously like as we go live and we see what people are responding to and commenting on we'll be able to refine this a little bit more and it's not to say that we are only going to be writing pieces we know readers will like but that we are going to be working towards an outlet that readers want to read but because we are an all-white room we are really trying to understand how we can build a space and build an incubator for writers to come up with us and after us. We want to build Rascal to be a sustainable outlet that can then help foster and sustain the careers of other journalists. Because the way journalism works right now, you have to have an extreme amount of privilege to just be able to do this and survive. So we have fellowship programs that we're planning on implementing in the future. We have our contributor program that we are going to start in ideally three to six months since we are sustainable. That is our fingers crossed number. Uh, if you can all subscribe to us and give us enough money to pay other people and also ourselves. But yeah, so th it's something we're really, really cognizant of and something we are trying to address as soon as we possibly can. We were talking about this a little bit before uh, we started rolling. The state of journalism, bad right now. What do you think are the biggest things that Rascal is doing that will hopefully combat that? hopefully make you stand out against what is slowly a sinking ship. Slowly? <laughs> <laughs> it's going down like the Hindenburg. There's like nothing slow about it. What are we doing different? Well, we are going for a different model. We are going to be independent, worker-owned, reader-supported, which is the model that Defector is doing. It's the model Hellgate and Aftermath are employing. And they've all found some measure of success with that model. And we are hoping to create a different way of reporting on tabletop news within this model. We are certainly not the first outlet to use this model. And we're not going to be the first outlet to be reporting on tabletop journalism or tabletop space in general. There's tons of great outlets out there. You know, there's Polygon, N-World, Geek Native, Bell of Lost Souls. Like there are outlets out there that are doing journalism in this space. But I think that we are going to be pretty unique because we're just going to focus on tabletop role-playing games. We are going to dive deep into a lot of community issues. We're going to have a community submitted announcement section. So there are things that we are doing to differentiate our model in a way that hopefully will sustain the three of us and allow us to bring on other contributors and fellows. I mean, a lot of what we're doing is really just like tapping into tabletop, the way that the tabletop ecosystem is sort of like primed towards crowdfunding and like already has this like DIY, let's all chip in mindset. And hopefully it works. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge risk, you know, like, 
we're just kind of going for it. Like we have no money, zero money. <laughs> we don't have any investors. Starting from zero dollars. <laughs> yeah, we don't have any backers. We're literally just like, well, what the fuck else are we supposed to do? Where the hell are we supposed to go? But it's a great risk to take because I think of the voices I think of, of when I'm like, who do I want to hear from in Tabletop? It is Lynn Codega, Bones, Dioli, and Chase Carter. There's like Aww. a few others in the mix, but those are three of the big ones. <laughs> and I want there to be a space. I want there to be a space like Rascal where it is just like free and open season for you guys to do exactly what you want to do, exactly how you want to do it, and be able to uphold the high standards that I know you guys hold yourself to. I think another thing with that, from a more technical perspective, SEO is dying because of AI and AI journalism and AI content mills and the way that the internet and search engines are changing. And so we are not going to like adhere ourselves to having every article about tabletop role-playing games have Dungeons and Dragons or Critical Role in the title. We are going to like try to go away from that. And something Lynn says a lot that Lynn has heard from Aftermath, from Defector, from the people at these self-started independent newsrooms is that good blogs sell themselves. And so good writing, and all we need to do is write good, build it, and they will come, you know? Hey, that's the model we've been trying for a while. So let's, let's, let's all hope it works together. <laughs> Rising tides. So I think these first couple questions, we've, we've set a really big table of, of delicious things. And I think mm. we, should start, we, should start, uh, we should start eating, as it mm. were. I want to mm -hmm. dig in on some of these things specifically. One of the things you talked about that I don't think we've gotten the details on yet is that the model here is different both on where the money's coming from and where it's going and how it's being distributed. Can you talk about the model behind Rascal for the consumer, for the journalists, for contributors? What does that look like? Lynn has become the business bitch. So business, business, business. Uh, how's the money coming? How's that going, Lynn? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like the little like unicorn in the Lego movie that just goes business, business, business. Am I doing it right? Business, business, business. That's that's me. That's the model. That's the model. It's just a unicorn <laughs> prancing on a board boardroom table, screaming business at the top of their lungs. It turns out that's extremely accurate to Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> so the model is different because it's not so many out outlets are funded by venture capitalists and billionaires and millionaires and people who apparently raise fifty million dollars just to piss it away in eight months. And so the money is all going to be reader supported. If we do take sponsorships, they will be like really, really clear. And it will be for like specific things. It will not be like, oh yeah, uh, Paizo is sponsoring Rascal. Like that's never going to happen. It'll be like Paizo is sponsoring a fellowship or Paizo is sponsoring a week, a themed week of Rascal. But it will be like very, very clear, very made aware. Like, no, we are, we got money and here's a logo. The, the money, it will literally just go to the three worker owners at this point, which is me, Rowan, and Chase. We are exploring a equitable distribution model rather than an equal distribution model. So we are going to be dispersing funds to our writers as they're needed rather than just like, okay, everyone gets a thousand dollars. It's like, one of us might get 700, might, one of us might get 300, one of us might get none. And we are just sort of all agreeing to that as a mode of working so that we can prioritize taking care of our writers in a way that makes financial sense for us and financial sense for the individual writers. 
we are just like really working hard to make sure that like we remain transparent and equitable that we are really honest with each other and our feelings which i have no feelings ever i want to like go on the record i don't have (laughs) any feelings whatsoever i don't know about that i saw you play mr boggs with a lot of heart i know there's a little (laughs) bit of a heart in there not true it's that was performance brian that was acting performance Performance comes from somewhere it has to come from a kernel of truth (laughs) yeah Yeah, who was to say um but yeah, so we talk we talk about our feelings, our capacity, our where we are with everything, what we're excited about, what we're worried about, um, if pitches are good or not. So it's just, you know, radical transparency alongside consistent communication. All of this is like a very boring way to say that we are trying to be as kind to each other as possible and building that into our company. We are anti-hierarchical. We don't have any, we don't have um, titles. We're all just co-founder and writer. It would be really stupid if, like, you know, Chase was editor in chief, and it's just me and Rowan. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we do quite literally call each other co-bosses. That is how we address each other in our Discord chat. We are like, thank you, co-boss. <laughs> and just as far as like, you know, a flat hierarchy goes, what does that look like day to day? Of, I'm writing an article. I need to have it peer reviewed. Like, who is doing what, and ha- how does an article go from? conception to written to edited to published so lynn chase and i are all very different kinds of neurodivergent and they're all very complementary to each other actually i think lynn has a very organizational mind and has set up a whole notion in the way that we are developing this and it has very helpfully laid out our action items and the way we have to develop this and it provides a very clear structure to the adhd that chase and i both have So the process that it has of going through is we have our Monday pitch meetings where we're all like, we have these ideas, we've seen these things out in the world. We do like kind of chat whenever when we see things pop up. We have a very delineated discord for various different conversations. Uh, Again, thanks to Lynn's structural brain. Um, I'm certifiable. It's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like genuinely insane how I'm just like everything in its place like da, 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 labels <laughs> so helpful just a, a thing for discord if you don't already have a nice things channel for many sided media we just have a nice things where if anyone says anything nice about it we just put us put it in there that's really, a great idea really actually keeps us going it's a really yeah. good idea gotta have a nice things channel I'm too much of a hater <laughs> I'll put the but nice things channel. People will in. say nice things. That's why you have. That's why you have Rowan and Chase. <laughs> no, that's we do balance Rowan. each other out a lot in that way. Yeah. <laughs> so pitch meetings to start, and then we talk in the Discord. We figure out what we're working on. We have two channels. One is requests, where we put like, okay, people need to like have their eyes on this, and then we have a blog roll channel where it's like, okay, this blog is done. Someone needs to edit it, and we are doing peer editing. So at least one of us is touching another person's work before it goes out in the world for one of Rowan's future or I guess it'll be it'll be up first uh, Rowan reviewed she reviewed the Marvel Marvel multiverse AP that went out on the Marvel YouTube channel and I did a first pass of edits and I'm just like let's let's make this like critique let's judge this up like tell me why tell me why it's literally like that the whole time it's just like tell me why tell me why you hate this and i was like oh i have to figure out the reason why i hate this tell and the me reason why. why i hated it is because they're co-opting the aesthetics of art for marketing tell Ooh, me why wee. 
And it's just like that the whole time. Um, and then, <laughs> uh, and now Chase is Chase is in the process of looking at it for for the second round of edits because it it underwent like some pretty intense changes because Rowan was really really good about like okay this is going out let's watch it right now let's make sure we have a review out like within a week because we're not holding ourselves to embargoes or like strict dates but we do want to be like we still want to be relevant so we're we're figuring out how to balance that as well so yeah so hopefully we'll have that out soon um but yeah pitch meetings peer editing and then it just goes up. And if we fuck something up, we will issue a retraction. Like We also act as a balance to each other, like with with me sipping on Haterade and Lynn having to be like, why? But also Lynn has this deep, beautiful mind investigative style that goes down rabbit holes so easily. And Chase and I sometimes have to be like, hey, come back, come back, come back. Why does this matter? What's going on? Like, you're right. This is crazy. This is bonkers. But why? <laughs> but why are we in Wonderland? <laughs> I literally created a, a notion inside of the notion and it had so much formatting and like three different tables for like this one story I was like chasing down this one rabbit hole. And I did it over one weekend and Chase was like, why don't you write something that requires like a little, a fewer tables? <laughs> and I was like, oh. Not no tables, just, just fewer. fewer tables. Fewer. Uh, but yeah, definitely went, definitely like. I latch onto stories and um, I'm really lucky that over the past couple of years, I've really honed in on that kind of gut instinct where it's just like, there's a story here. I know it. I just have to fucking find it. And I'm the dumbass to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And then of course I go down a rabbit hole and Chase and Rowan are just like, Hey Linda, what's going (laughs) on? (laughs) It's like, you might find this, but is it worth finding right now? (laughs) Yeah. No, that's exactly it. So yeah, that's how a pitching process goes. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we get stuff on site. I think if there's one thing that like is very clear from these answers about like structure is, and it's another line from your copy is you say, we are rascals, but we are also human. And I think that there's a really, one of the things that's really appealing about the model you're doing in this site is that it's very, you're being very clear about the people behind it. And that's part of, that's part of the, trust that you that people that you're asking people to give you is it's like hey here we are we're people like we have our strengths and weaknesses and we're working on them and here's like the silly ways that we work together too you know and like it's it i think it all adds to the story of this of rascal that you're putting out it is just worth for anyone who is going to be visiting rascal site for the first time today or or has, is visiting for the first time go look at the ethics section because it will tell you everything that you need to know about what this is going to be honestly when we were prepping this interview we were just copying whole <laughs> sections of it out and being like so we'll talk about this we'll talk about this and we kind of pulled back and realized we basically copied the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> thank you i was very proud it makes for a great outline for a interview with you guys <laughs> yeah it's great hell yeah Kudos to Rowan. Just one more time. She really, she really Ooh, pulled flowers, that all together. Flowers. Yeah. Hey there, it's Elliot from the Many Sided Media team. In addition to playing and producing here on My First Dungeon, I'm also a game designer known for such games as Something is Wrong with the Chickens, a rules-like game of chickens, eldritch horror, and revenge. Project Echo, a solo time travel game played in the pages of a planner and the upcoming Rom-Com Drama Bomb, a three-player game of meet-cutes and mayhem. 
If you like weird and unique games and want to bring something new to your table, head to moreblueberries.shop and use code MYFIRSTDUNGEON for 20% off your order. That's M-O-R-E-B-L-U-E-B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot shop. Thanks! One thing I want to dig in a little bit more on is your approach to criticism and critique. And I know you we had talked a little bit earlier about how you would approach it for people who are doing this as, as a passion, as an artistic release for fun versus people who are making a living of it of corporation. We've had discussions on this show in the past of like how to approach, you know, capital C criticism and where it's needed, how it's needed. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about your approach to criticism and what you think are the most important takeaways you want the reader to be getting from a piece of criticism that you're writing? Even in the two pieces that I've wrote recently, my understanding of criticism has evolved so much in a way that's really formative. My understanding of criticism has is a little bit of multifaceted. It is, there is one part of it that is craft focused, that is talking about the art as a piece of art within the context of a lineage of craft. How does this aesthetically connect to other pieces that exist? What is it doing within those frameworks artistically? And how is it using those frames to best tell the story it is telling and achieve the goals that story is trying to achieve? On the other hand, there is the cultural element of it. There is the element of like, how does this piece of art relate to the culture at large? How does this piece of art connect to... The, the social troubles of our times, how is it connecting to struggles that we are facing as individuals within the context of the society we live in? And then the third element of it is how is this operating as a business? How is this thing as a business-oriented model that is meant to drive profit? Does it engage with that profit-oriented mindset at all? Does it not? Is the main goal of the thing to make money or is the main goal of the thing to create a piece of art? And with those three facets, you can learn a lot about what a piece of art is, what it is trying to do within the larger ecosystem, and whether or not the people who are making it are people whose work you should continue to follow. You know, within that question, this is a space, specifically like TTRPGs and actual play, that hasn't had a consistent amount of capital C criticism. Fits and starts here and there, you see bits and pieces of it, but not a sustained effort at improving it overall. I'm curious, what do you think, and admittedly like, you know, early days, but what do you what do you hope for actual play and tabletop role-playing games with an infusion of more criticism, both from Rascal and from other people who hopefully take up the mantle after you guys do? What changes do you hope to see in actual play and in tabletop role-playing games? Well, I think that one of the things that I would really like to see is when larger outlets, magazines, and publications cover the art form, they go deeper than just Critical Role and Dimension 20. And they actually like understand what they're talking about, and they have references, and they engage with it as an art form with like, you know, Actual play has a 15, 20 year lineage. Tabletop role playing games are turning 50. And yet, in a lot of ways, we are still working within a, a framework of criticism that is very nascent. In a lot of ways, a lot of the criticism of tabletop role playing games and a lot of like theories and, and discussions have happened on blogs, on like individual 
just people blogging, which is like really the backbone of a lot of like tabletop criticism and a lot of tabletop uh, reporting and journalism is really held within literally like blogger, which is wonderful and also terrifying. So it's, we are sort of hoping to kind of like build off of that, again, craft lineage to, to steal one of Rowan's phrases in order to just talk more deeply about it, to engage with a lot of different vectors, and hopefully to show places like Rolling Stone, say, that there are people out there who are taking this very seriously and who are considering this an art form that deserves to be taken seriously and considering this an industry that deserves to be critiqued and understood and excavated along certain fault lines. And I think that one of the reasons why industry is one of those like core parts of criticism to to this, because like in a lot of ways, you don't really like get a talk about like, oh, let's talk about like the Hollywood industry while critiquing Barbie. Like let's talk about the Hollywood industry while like critiquing Oppenheimer. Like it doesn't, usually that's like in the background, but it's built in and it's not super prevalent. And I think the reason that we want to focus on that as part of one of the dimensions of our criticism is that so, so much of the marketing and the branding and the understanding around tabletop is like the community, right? The tabletop community. I'm using air quotes. This is a audio medium, but I'm using air quotes. The community. You can hear the air quotes. Okay. <laughs> you can hear them. Those are, those are, po- those are capitalized air quotes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was literally only like three or four years ago that we stopped using the the tag on Twitter, like TTRPG family. And I'm just like, oh, thank God. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Right. We all remember that period of time. Um, mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where brands have really keyed in on that word. I mean, across all all vectors of like entertainment industry, but especially in tabletop role playing games, uh, building community, like the role of community managers the discord communities that are like built up all of these things are sort of focused around like selling a product but also like but we're a community we want to create this in-group we want to create this family we want to create this like this uh, dedicated focused held prisoner consumer base that's like right here we can just market to them the whole fucking time we can just market we can just do as much marketing as we can in this little Discord group. Um, I'm sorry, you guys. I'm really sorry. Uh, I know you guys have a Discord. <laughs> and you should all read. Uh, you should go read the article. Read my review of the Marvel uh, giant size special after this. But one of my big issues that I noted in it in my rewrite of it after Lynn was like, hey, tell me why you hate this. Tell me is, why. <laughs> is because it's using this friends at the table aesthetic. This like faux community to create a false sense of community, the thing that like capitalism has alienated us from, to sell more things. And I think the TTRPG industry as a whole really has progressive ideals at its core. It really, really wants to be a better space than capitalism has forced industries to become. But we cannot do that while still operating within the structures of capitalism. So we have to imagine new possibilities and part of what I'm hoping for the actual play community moving forward is like obviously less exploitation of people in their labor, but also a deep embodiment of these values that we pretend to espouse into creating these new structures 
of entertainment that we can build up for ourselves that then can be modeled in one industry as a microcosm that can then explode into the rest of the world. I think and everything that happens is so intricately tied and intrinsically tied that if we can figure it out here, other people are also figuring it out in other places and everything can start to change. I'm trying to think of a follow-up to that. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I, I love that that sentiment and that, I mean, it is the thing we've been saying on this show in a couple of different respects, but like by taking every element of this of this community, of this industry more seriously, all of a sudden it becomes it, it becomes easier and easier when we have more places like Rascal for Rolling Stone to all of a sudden be like, oh, there's more to this than just D&D and Critical Role. It's the, the, the sort of dichotomy between community and industry as phrases is really interesting. Like, I'm just thinking about tying that to like the film industry or TV industries, which are, you know, adjacent and comparable in some ways. Like you would never say film community you know, in in like describing the the vast number of people who work on it. But the thing that is interesting about what you said about this new show co-opting the Friends of the Table aesthetic is that part of the way we market blockbuster films is like, and the cast were all friends and like tell us stories from said and like, what was it like? Like, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but that's a thing is this idea that like part of selling is making people seem like it wasn't hard work to create or like that it was like, it wasn't a job to create. Like, it's like, oh no, all these actors were just having fun making the Barbie movie. Like it wasn't like 16 hour days for six right. months it wasn't or whatever, an you know, intense amount of craft and know how right. and years of experience. Right. And, well, it's right. because everyone's just looking for joy. Like shit is so fucked right I now. Get it. People I just want to be yeah. happy. And if we can make it so that way, that joy isn't like predicated upon selling something. And it's actually intrinsic in the way we all just exist with each other. That would be ideal. Ooh, <laughs> man, that's such a heavy thought. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's what's good. in my brain all the time. No, no, I love it. I love it. It's I true. really do. I really do. It's 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 what I, I hope that can change. You know, it's in my worst impulse, I worry can't, but it, but in my in my brightest moments, hope can. Hope is a practice. Anyway, now that we're done with my little therapy. Moment, um... <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Zoli. That'll be $200. You can bill that to your insurance. And <laughs> I guess a, a question I have is, as people today start to check out Rascal and start to see what you guys are beginning to build, I'm curious what you are hoping this looks like a little further down the road. So like six months, a year, five years, 10 years, like, what are the things that you can't do now that you are excited to do in the very near future? Contributors and fellowships are a big one. I think that that's kind of as far as we've let ourselves dream, imagine, postulate. Because so much of this is really precarious and so much of this is really unsure. You know, we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know who's going to show up. We don't know we don't know what we don't know, right? Like, we just don't know anything. So we've really, the, the only goal that we've like really set for ourselves is we want to be able to afford to live. And we, we would like, we would like to make a living. Um, and we would also like to be able to hire contributors and fellows. And that's, that's sort of as far as we've thought ahead 
frankly. It's really sad that our wildest dreams are pay rent for ourselves and other people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are big dreams these days. Yeah. I, there's something I want to push on a little bit that we've talked about a little earlier, but it was amidst a bunch of other stuff. And, and it was this idea of like the, you guys acknowledge that you have an all white writer's room, you know, what are the like concrete ways that you are going after telling stories from what the tabletop community looks like, like internationally and from people of color and all that? What are those like, how do you do it differently and better than, or how do you plan to do it differently and better than existing outlets have? The stories that we focused were very, very cognizant of who it is, whose story we're telling. And so making sure that our coverage and the designers we talk about, the actual play producers we talk about, the industry people that we talk about, that that is something that we are considering within the coverage that we are giving. Personally, it is kind of a goal of mine that I don't really want to cover any all-white actual plays. Um, and I don't have to because I get to choose what I cover. So that is one like tangible way in which I want to make sure that I am centering non-white voices and non-American or European voices within my coverage. I just put out a tweet the other day like, hey, please, if you are from anywhere that is not America or Europe, let me know who you're talking to. Let me know what you're looking at. And I got over a hundred responses like immediately. So the more visibility that we get, the better that will become because there are so many existing tabletop communities in South America, in Africa, in Asia, in Southeast Asia specifically, in India. And so... Uh, these huge communities who are separated due to a language barrier from the North American community or just separated due to the way American culture is centralized in every entertainment industry, trying to take our focus away from there and realize what is not being talked about and actively seeking those things out. A lot of that is like making an effort and knowing that there are like consciously knowing that there are, that the world is so much bigger than whatever is happening in the US uh, and being really, really deliberate about like, okay, what what's Japan up to? What can we like draw from what they're doing? Um, I know that we said we didn't want to focus on like uh, European countries, but like Italy has an incredible like tabletop scene, you know, Fabula Ultima, like the, the Sinners book, like Last Sabbath, like there's an incredible energy coming out of Italy, uh, coming out of Japan, coming out of Southeast Asia, and just kind of like making that effort to understand that like our scope is limited just because of our privilege and our status and like where we are living and doing our best to talk to people, to make us ourselves available, to sort of like let people know like, hey, we're interested in stories from cultures that we do not understand. Can you help us get there? It's telling people that we're doing this and we are like very specifically interested in lifting up non-white voices. It's holding ourselves accountable and sort of like taking like taking a step back, looking at our release schedule for the next week or two, be like, hey, like what can we do to highlight more diverse voices? Can we move something around? Can we push something forward? Just like really like making that effort to create a space that is reflective of the way that the industry actually looks and it's also allowing readers to hold us accountable like 
our emails are all over that site. If someone wants to like send us an email, it's like, hey, like you've been like quite white this week. And we're just like, you're right. Next week we'll do better. Thank you so much. And really just hoping that we can continue to learn and use our plat and like grow and use our platform to uplift voices that are again reflective of how the tabletop uh, ecosystem looks those are all great answers i want to pull three things out of there for our listeners just to like really hammer them home like you guys are you putting effort into it you're able to have the freedom to set your own priorities in a way that you haven't been able to that allows you to focus on that effort and also there's an access and responsibility that you guys have put front and center. Your emails are all over the site. So both in terms of feedback, but what I would highlight for people listening, for designers listening, for producers listening around the world is like, go use those emails when you make projects, like send press kits, send all that stuff to you guys. Um, because that's the, as I like to say, you send out emails, you gets back emails. So just wanted to kind of pull those few things out. Yeah, specifically for press, because we are, one of the things that we're doing is most of our site is going to be behind a paywall. The journalism that we write is going to be behind this sort of like, you need to subscribe to like read smart people say smart things about smart games. But we are also, we also have like a, an announcement section that is public, free to view. You don't even need to be like a member of Rascal it would be cool if you were, but it's we're we're curating this announcement section as like a community service part of it, and we are being very very clear about like we did not write this. This is a press release, but it's still there. It has all of your links. It has everything, like all the images. It has the like relevant dates, but we have just a a part of the site that is dedicated to other people's work and other people's efforts and other people's the way that other people are working within this ecosystem and building their own communities and trying to make their own art. So we're really excited about that. Uh, all press releases, please press at rascal.news and I will sort you out. That goes to my inbox. <laughs> that goes to Info me. at rascal.news comes to me. So if you're looking for info. Info. So yeah. We will put the press at email right in the show notes for folks. Sick. One of the things that we are working on developing a full documentation for is we are going to invite anyone who wants to submit a press release. We are going to ask them to become a contributor to the site. And basically what that means is that they will be able to create their own press release on the Rascal News site. And all they have access to is this little portal and they can create this press release. We will see it on our end and we will, you know, make sure everything looks good and then we'll press publish. And that's and it'll just work like that. It'll be super, super simple, as easy as possible. And hopefully, like, despite that kind of initial, like, okay, you need, like, we are inviting you to be a contributor. You need to accept that invitation and then you do everything. So despite that initial, like, road bump that we know we will, like, walk people through and we'll have, like, a cute little, like, 20-page document, <laughs> every single answer you could possibly so need. So cute. So just little. A, just a little 20 So petite. Page. So dainty. Oh, I already have screenshots. It's fine. The point is I'm insane. Uh, and we will, like, just send this out and be like, we are so excited. We're happy to have you as a contributor. In order to make this work, we need to make it as easy as possible on both you 
and us because we are a three-person team and we want to be writing journalism. And the way that we see that happening is by getting community buy-in to set up this contributor portal and then writing the press releases themselves or just like plugging and chugging it in there. And, you know, we're not doing any editorializing. Whatever you want to say, you can say, and we will press go. It will be on our little announcement section. Super cute. Unless you say something weird and fucked up, then we're going to stop you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, maybe don't do that. <laughs> yes. Don't I do mean, we, we are reserving the right to like not publish your press release, but in general, we are literally pressing go on anything that comes there. It's not just going to be games, right? So we're going to do, if you have an awards show coming up, right? And you're like, we are now accepting nominations for the bloggies. Like if you have something like, we are trying to find a layout designer. Are you a layout designer? Work for us. Like, we'll publish a job posting. Mm, we'll publish cool. like, like the town square. Exactly. It's, really... the, it's the quest board. <laughs> the quest board. Oh, God. It should have been called the quest board. We can change it. Fuck. We can still, still change time. it. There's, there's still time. <sighs> no, it's the announcement section. Um, in our hearts, it's the quest board. <laughs> in our hearts, it's the quest board. Um, But yeah, so we're just like being really, really clear. Like, if you have something that you want out there, uh, we'll post that. Kind of bouncing off of the community board and all the, the things you want to cover and the great stuff that's going around the TTRPG community around the world. What are a couple of things that you are excited to cover in your first couple of months in, in Rascal? Rowan has an interview coming up that I am thrilled, thrilled by. Yeah, um, I think I've told Brian and Ellie about this off camera, but... I recently did an interview with Montana State Representative Zoe Zephyr and her partner, independent journalist Erin Reed. I recently did an interview with them about their personal journeys to tabletop role-playing games and actual play, and how tabletop and independent culture journalism intersect with policy and making changes on a larger political scale. And so that's going to be a two-part interview series that I am very, very excited to share with the world because... Right out the gate, Rascal is talking to politicians about d and <laughs> I'm very excited to read that. I'm excited to read it, too. I haven't seen it, uh, but I trust Rowan, and I know it's going to be amazing. Um, so I'm really, really, really pleased that she has decided to do, like, split it into two parts. Because she was just like, I don't know what to choose. And I'm like, baby, you don't have to choose. <laughs> we own this do place. <laughs> we can do whatever we want. Um, so I'm really excited about that one. One of the things that we are doing that we will have up by the time we launch is a article called New Tabletop Games Journalism. So 10, 10 years ago, literally like 2014, 10 years ago, The Guardian published an article called New Games Journalism that was about video game journalism and was really incredible, like listed a bunch of blogs, listed a bunch of articles, uh, Karen Gillan was a part of it. It was just this, this really cool point where people were talking about video games very seriously and what it meant to be a new video game journalist. So we're publishing maybe not the industry's version of like new tabletop games journalism, but our version, the articles, the blogs, the academic papers, the Twitter threads, like the things that we are using as sort of like touchstones for our own journalism and storytelling as we pursue rascal so we're, i'm just like that's just something that i'm really excited about because i'm like yeah this is like partially a manifesto 
partially like just exploring what it means to be a tabletop journalist in the space right now. Like what is the legacy we're building on who came before us? Like, where do we want to go next? So it was just this really interesting exploration of like the very theoretical, like high minded way of thinking about like, how are we writing? Why are we writing it that way? What are we writing about? That is a great hat to throw in the ring. Just calling back to that 2014 article of just being like, all right, we're at the top of this industry here's who we respect. Here's the circle that we follow and care about. Check these people out. And maybe this is like, hopefully the start of the new game journalism. Yeah. I'm really excited to look at this in a year as what I think will be a big inflection point in tabletop role-playing game journalism. And I'm hoping it is. Us too. We really hope so. (laughs) Yeah. Like us, like, yeah, same. Ditto. I guess in that in that vein, somebody who's listened to this conversation all the way through is really jazzed about Rascal. Real practically, how do they support it? Uh, give us money. Um, at rascal.news, <laughs> we will have subscription options. So we'll have three tiers. We'll have a $5 tier, a $12 tier, and a $75 tier. Um, you get different access levels, different benefits from each of those different levels, different perks. We've kind of modeled them after the other independent journalism outlets like Defector, 404, Aftermath. We also have corporate bundles that if you are a corporation of some kind, if you are an actual play production, if you are a design studio, if you are any kind of business that are a grouping of people and you want to get a group bundle at a discounted rate, reach out to us and we will make that happen. We have that set up. We, like Len was speaking to before, we have those themed sponsorships for our fellowships or theme weeks where one thing we were pitching around was like, oh, Satanic Panic Week, where we have a week of articles where we like dive deep into what Satanic Panic is and what the lasting cultural impacts of that are. And so if you're a company, if you want to come sponsor that for that week, you won't get any say in what the content will be, but you will make sure that we get to pay our rent and eat food that week. So like, hey, (laughs) pretty great. And you get to sponsor Satanic Panic Week. I mean, everyone wants to be associated with that. Come on, it's gonna be great. I mean, it'll also be like not just examining like the historical context but like talking about satanism in games now like how are how how does like a satanist of us design a game with a way like how is baphomet being used culturally now like tracing the lineage of like cult from 1991 um maybe we'll talk to vincent baker about his very first published game which was killing puppies for satan (laughs) who's to say did you guys know that? I one? did not know, I did about not that, know one. that. It's the very first game in in the year of our Lord 2000, Killing Puppies for Satan. So if you want to see how our brains work, give us money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I want to throw my own two cents on this in is that like this for folks in the tabletop community listening, like this is the kind of journalism I think we all want to see more of. And so I'm going to throw a little responsibility on us, the industry, to support the journalism we want to see. You know, like if you have the means, like I think that this is a great place to put five bucks a month or whatever you can afford. I know I'll be signing up, so. It is also a thing, yeah, if you're listening to especially this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like, All 11 of you out there, listen exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> it is very likely that you care about the state of games and games journalism. And if you are not voting with your wallet, then you're kind of not voting at all. And I know that's, you know, everyone has their own access levels and things that they can do and can't do. But if you can't vote with your wallet, raise awareness, try to, you know, if it's the thing you want to see in the world, and I'm guessing that it is, make sure that it stays in the world by actively 
telling people why it deserves to be in the world. And that endorsement will just cost you guys like 200 bucks. Oh, okay. So it'll actually be a work trade <laughs> yeah, for yeah, the yeah. therapy that I did before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. There Damn it, is. Elliot. Come on. You got to keep that off the podcast. We got to make money. Keep, <laughs> I got to keep my personal issues off the podcast. I'm so sorry. But again, we, I, we are open to feedback. So like if we get a bunch of people who are like, hey, I really want to subscribe. I want to give you something, but I can't make $5 a month. Like we do one-time donations. We will do, we will work with you if you want us to exist, but you cannot afford $5 a month. Talk to us. We'll figure it out because, again, we are three human beings operating Rascal. You can uh, email Rowan at rascal.news for all of those requests. You can. And then I'll bring him to Lynn and then we'll be like, no. <laughs> the show notes for this episode are just going to be a complex who to email when guide um, based on everything we've talked about. Perfect. That's I literally put that on the website. I was literally like, get in touch. And it's like this literal like oh, I saw. flowchart. <laughs> I'm certifiable. This is how my brain it's, works. It's so <laughs> useful. It's so It's useful. really good though. It's really honestly genuinely um before we take this to a close is there anything you guys wanted to talk about that we missed yeah what one thing if you guys if anyone listening has a story that they want to tell has a has something in the industry that they don't like or knows something that they should they think should be written about or they think we should know you can email me at tips at rascal.news any email sent to tips is treated uh, as entirely confidential from the first, the very first moment that I receive it. You can send it via Proton Mail. You can send me a, a, like a cryptic email and be like, I need your signal and I will give you my personal signal. But yeah, if, if there is a story out there that needs to be told or something like a truth that needs to be out there, get in touch. That's I love investigating. I love telling stories. I love talking to people about their stories. If there is something wrong, let me know. There's one more bit in your ethics statement that was a line that I just like, that I'd love to hear what the expanded version of this line. And it is, this is journalism as service, not catharsis. Oh. And it's, it's a line that I like resonates with me, but I, I don't fully know what that looks like. Uh, so tell me, what, what does that look like at Rascal? So this comes from a line that was used a lot in the union meetings uh, at Gizmodo. And the idea is that we post strategically, not cathartically. So even though we may be like really upset about something or we may be really bothered by something, we don't post flippantly. We don't write something that comes from a place of like pure emotion. We take a step back, we analyze what we're doing and we post within the boundaries of like good journalistic practice while also allowing our emotions to inform what we're writing. So we always look at it as just like, okay, we feel really passionately about this. Does this matter to the community? Is this something that needs to be said? Is this something that is a net good? Will this do harm? Like at what point is this moving beyond just like us like okay we're having a good time in our discord like making fun of this or getting angry about this or getting excited about this but is it something that is worth writing about is it something that's worth posting about is it something that's worth attaching our name to is it something that will serve the community 
there's a place for catharsis and it probably should not be when you are trying to do something like this. Yeah, I think that goes in both directions like Lynn was kind of speaking to. Like, it's not just when something happens that we don't like. It's also about things that we love and enjoy because if you're, like, kind of talking back to that access journalism thing we were talking about previously, how if you're just uncritically talking about how much you love something without the context of why you love it or, like, what it is doing and how it is benefiting people, it renders all of the writing that you're doing a little less credible because you're not holding the good and the bad to the same standard. Like, as, a, as an example, I really love Friends at the Table. It's, like, one of the few podcasts, like, actual plays that has gone on for, you know, over a decade that I've dropped in and out of consistently. And so I was sort of talking about it. And I was like, yeah, I'd like to do, you know, just a, a post on how much I love Friends at the Table. And I think both both Rowan and Chase were just like, why? <laughs> like, like, why, Linda? Like, that's fun, I guess. But like, what is, like, why? So then I sort of like went back to the pitch and I was just like, okay, why? Tell me why. And um, <laughs> basically, I came away with like, oh, this is an important piece of media. It's an important piece of journalism. It Or it hopefully it'll be a poor piece of journalism. But it's an important like piece of the history of like actual plays. Um, so I sort of reworked it. And I'm like, what if I did an oral history of Friends at the Table with the Friends at the Table? And Rowan and Chase were like... Oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, that's not just you being super great about, being super happy about something that's you actually, like, digging into why it matters. Again, just, like, one more time, that human element of, like, you can still find a way to, you know, fo follow the impulse that you had as a human to talk about something you loved and create something that is serviceable to the community. And that, pretty cool. We're doing our best. Cool. That is pretty, pretty cool. cool. Rowan, Lynn, thank you so much for coming to the table. Do you want to let people one more time know where they can find both of you and where they can find Rascal? Well, rascal.news is where Rascal News is. Super easy. We are all over Twitter. I'm at Lynn Codega on Twitter, and you can reach me by emailing Lynn at rascal.news. I am at Rowan Zioli everywhere on the internet. And Rascal will have a social media presence on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Blue Sky, at Rascal underscore news. And if you want more gaming content from us, you can check out the 20-sided newsletter and the many-sided media discord. Those are both linked in the show notes as well. Rate, review, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And that's what the table is talking about. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. 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 And that's all for our special report. If you're hearing this, that means you have listened to every last second of this episode. And that probably makes you a fan of this show. Well, if you're a fan and you like what we're doing and want to help others find it as well, then consider leaving us a five-star review over on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Getting more ratings really does help more people find the show, and reading your nice words about the things that we put out into the world makes us feel all warm and good inside, and we want more of those good, good feels. So head on over to your podcast player of choice and leave us a five-star review. Thanks.